You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 467. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the Amazon Prime video series, Outer Range. But, dude, that is not the big news of the night. It, this is actually not. I know what you're talking about, actually. Yeah, this is the 10-year anniversary of our podcast, uh, June 28th, 2012. We published our episode one introductory podcast before leaping into lost girl and and you know instead of us talking about what we're watching this week we're gonna just kind of take a trip down memory lane and give you guys a a little bit of insight as to where we came from and uh you know like we said 2012 now let's back up a little bit we've told people over you know over time bits and pieces uh, you know, you and I taught English together in high school. I was teaching English and journalism. You were teaching English. You know, our good friend Michael R. Uh, is still the media specialist at the school. And my room was basically in the media center. So I got to know Michael really well. And then, of course, after I retired, you got my room. And now, I mean, you knew Michael pretty well as it was. Right. But Except for some Michael, reason, you, you always found a lot more time to just hang around and chat. Yeah, good point. I don't, um, I don't know if you ever grade any papers yeah. while you were here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway. <laughs> but Michael and I, around 2010, started talking about possibly doing a podcast. And, and what was one of the first podcasts you listened to? Well, I think the first one I listened to at all was the the Fringe podcast. Okay. With now, did um, you did you listen to Jay and Jack at all? No, I still haven't oh. actually. Oh wow! Um, yeah, because well, I, I don't know. Like I, I I probably got into you know making podcasts. I haven't even started actually recording podcasts before I really was listening to them. I mean, you really got me into all this stuff. Um, you know, at, at, at the time or whatever. And, you know, part of it was, you know, coming to lunch and, you know, I was binging lost and you were like, okay, where you, where are you? <laughs> you know, what'd you right. watch last night and everything? Um, so, and, and yes, I, I said the L word. Yeah. But, you know, I think at that time, and then I was, you know, we were talking about fringe a lot because fringe was, you know, I mean, obviously lost had already run its course while, um, you know, Fringe was, I, I believe, yeah, it was at the time was still um, sure. showing new episodes. So that was like kind of like the first podcast I listened to because as I was watching Fringe, I was listening to the uh, the podcast with uh, Clint and Daryl, Daryl and Clint. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Michael and I were talking about it and, and we had at the time thought it would be great to do a podcast about True Blood, the, the vampire show. Um, I think Showtime or HBO. I forget which network it was on. I believe on. it was HBO. Okay. But at the time, I didn't really have a sense, and I don't think Michael did either. He may have had it more than I, of what it really meant because I think my mindset was, okay, we got to be in the room together and record. And I'm not staying after school for two hours to record a podcast. So we just never moved forward with it. And then – Fast forward to 2012, and you and I then were talking simultaneously about doing a podcast. And, and I think at that point we'd worked out, well, Skype. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to be together in the same room. But, but at first we were. 
Like well, at we first, recorded. Well, you know what? Yeah, we did in studio for quite a while before we moved to almost exclusively doing it online. Yeah, but the first few episodes, you were at your house. Oh, that's right. And I was at mine. And I think the introductory episode, I think you were using the laptop microphone. Yeah. So uh, I think one time I was using the microphone, but I was holding it. And you were like, dude, you just keep knocking the microphone around. Right. And uh, I think we have access to some mic stands. So uh, let's get that going. But well, the, you know, I think the problem was, I think I had the mic stand, but my kids uh, saw the mic stand and decided to play a guitar hero and broke the, the clip on the mic stand. Oh, that's so. right. That's right. But, uh, you know, so Michael and I said, okay, at this point, two years later, um, I'd heard about this show called Continuum, time travel right up our alley. So he and I did that. You and I started Lost Girl literally a week later. And off we went and, and, you know, again, you know, we started right before season three was going to air. So we went back and we were trying to get caught up. We started with season one, episode one. And I think God, if you guys look back in our catalog, (laughs) dude, we were nuts recording four episodes in one sitting. Yeah. Well, we were we were desperate to you know to get them all in before season three started, and we we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah and, it was it was crazy, and it never occurred to us. Well, what do we do in between seasons? You know, we've we've committed to the title of our podcast, Fatalists, which of course is a tie-in to the Fay of Lost Girl. And, you know, it took us a while to figure out what was going on. And then I think it was around 2015, Lost Girl ended. We decided, all right, we need to rebrand and sci-fi TV rewatch. And, you know, off we went. And, uh, you know, we've covered, again, you know, back when we started, I don't know if I could have possibly imagined we'd have recorded over 500 podcasts. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, I mean, you know, we've got 467 episodes, but there are a lot of things we recorded and released and we titled them something else. And you might say, well, why'd you do that? It's like, I I don't know. We just did. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we'll leave it to posterity to sort it all out. Exactly. So anyway, so, you you know, you and Michael are still there. And like you said, you, I seem to have had a lot more free time than you do, but yeah, whatever. (laughs) Well, I've since become, Dave, because it's funny hearing you talk about your room. And I'm like, uh, you mean my room, Dave? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, you would recognize it immediately because I didn't, haven't really made many decorative changes over the, uh, over the years. Well, that's good. So uh, anyway, that's a, a brief history of our podcast. And, uh, you know, here's to another 10 years moving forward. Yeah. You know, we'll... We'll see, man, by that time you'll be retired too. Yeah, God willing. Hopefully. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, but yeah, you know, I think I think that, I mean, for me, I just, I, I really enjoy talking to you, Dave. And it's, it's just a pleasure for me to be able to just chat with you once a week. So, you know, if we weren't doing this, you know, maybe we'd be talking about baseball or something. But, uh, you know, it's just, I really look forward to the nights we get to talk. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I feel exactly the same way. So, uh all right. Well, listen. Why don't we uh, talk about the show we're 
meant to talk about, which oh, is yeah, Outer Range, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about TV show tonight. Yep, Outer Range, episode two of season one, titled The Land, written by Brian Watkins, directed once again by Alonzo Ruiz Palacio, aired April 15th, 2022, along with episode one. So it looks like the Amazon model. I think you're probably a little bit more familiar with the Amazon model than I am, that two episodes each week. I don't know if they do that for all the shows, but that's what they did with uh outer mm, range no i mean well with the boys they release like the first three episodes and then once a week after that oh okay and i feel like that's what they did with something else but i can't oh i think like with um man in the high castle yeah maybe i don't know man i can't remember man like no man in the high castle they released all at once oh okay well, so, Sorry, I, rem- I remember that. So they, they're following the sci-fi TV rewatch model, which is just do whatever the hell you feel like. <laughs> do do whatever we feel like doing at the time and, you know, make no excuses for it afterwards. Right. Sort it out at the end. So, uh, all right. Well, you know, a couple of key points to, just to kind of get things started. I mean, number one, we learn what happened to Royal after Autumn pushes him into the hole. And, you know, yeah. you, you had messaged me. After I think right after we recorded episode one, you messaged me about an hour later and like, uh, you know what? I was almost ready to pull the plug. And then we got to the final scene and you said, all right, I'm in. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I actually regraded uh, based on episode two. And then I actually thought about later, maybe regretted that a little bit because you still got to judge the the pilot on its own merits. But I guess part of it also is that these two episodes released the same night. So it's, you know, they almost go together, right? Like I, I think people would expect that you would watch episode one and then maybe despite not enjoying episode one, you probably say, ah, I'll watch episode two. Just give it a chance since there's two episodes out. And if I don't like that one, then forget it. So, you know, maybe grade them both together. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly uh, what happens in episode two does um, justify a lot of the things that I thought were questionable about episode one. Um, you know, in fact, that's something that that our friend Scott, and actually Scott's got some feedback for us tonight, but it, it's something that he and I were talking about. You know, now that we're in the you know, binging kind of an atmosphere for so many shows where, where people have access to an entire season, is it as important that the pilot episode has to grab you immediately and pull you in. And, you know, he argues maybe not. And, you know, I think he's probably right. So, you know, I don't know. Now, a show like this where they only drop two, and the second one, admittedly, uh, is a little bit slow as well. I mean, they drop a lot of information on us, but, you know, right. I, I guess. But I think that they it's that whammy at the end of the second episode that – you're just like, oh, oh, whoa, hey, what's going on? You know, like totally would draw me in. But if this were like a week at a time and they just did episode one, I don't know. I'm not necessarily sure I would have gone on. You know, if, if we weren't podcasting, obviously. I, I don't know if I would have given it a, a, a second look, a second chance. I might have been just like, that was a really slow, dark episode, depressing I don't really like the characters that much, so um, nah, I'm in the past, you know. Well, and at this point, you know, we've certainly 
speculated about the hole and what it actually is and and we get a little bit more information here but still what is it i mean is it a portal to the future you know we suspected that you know that it does allow somebody to see the future we talked last time about royal putting his hand down there and then seeing that scene where the sheriff comes to the house before it actually happens it does seem as if he's traveled two years into the future but it also seems like it's an alternate reality or is it just this is the future that we really didn't foresee happening because it's so radically different from what we have now you know with the two ranches side by side i mean Um, is it possible also that we've got a multiverse Right. Well, that's, I, I actually, right before I, I came to, to start up the computer and everything to talk, that thought hit me. I'm like, well, wait, I mean, we are obviously being led to believe it's the future of this world, but it could very easily be, yeah, like a, a different universe. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, an alternate reality two years into the future. Right, right. Or right now in that alternate universe yeah like i mean there's a lot of possibilities here. we are definitely being see that's why i'm a little bit doubtful about the time travel aspect of it just because it that it seems like that is clearly what they want us to believe is that he is traveling to his own future in this world so i mean and, and, that, and that's fine like I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad idea i'm just saying it you know that i guess i i am a little wary when a show is trying to direct us one path, when you know they're going to pull some zingers on us during this this season, is part of that they're going to make us believe that it's time travel, but it's going to turn out to be some kind of alternate universe. Because the place where he lands is really, really different from the place he left. More, and, and I would say more so than just about two plus years of time has passed. And Fred points out that when he died, you know, she, the only ref, time reference we have is Cecilia telling him he's died two years ago, and she doesn't look that much older, nor does anyone else um, of the people that we see in this place. Again, I would think, well, Royal probably die soon. This is, you know, two years from not too far down the line, or it could be right now in a different universe. Well, right. I mean, Luke is wearing the same clothes that he's wearing when, you know, we leave him. The sheriff is in her uniform. And and granted, we don't know if the election's already taken place or not or or whether she's still, you know, the the interim sheriff. Uh, It looks like Perry is, you know, wearing the same clothes as well. But it's autumn that is significantly different. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, she's all cleaned up. She's wearing that that yellow jumpsuit or whatever it is. And and it does seem as if she's in charge, perhaps. But it goes back to that scene, you know, when, when he asks her her favorite color. And, and of course, she's like, what? I and then you're or, no, I'm sorry. He says, what does yellow mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, So <clears throat> this is this is where I'm going to come in with a uh, a Shakespearean reference that I don't think is actually like, I don't, I don't think the people making this said, hey, this is kind of like Hamlet. But what I see is a big similarity to Hamlet, 
And I know everyone who's ever read Hamlet's probably like, wait, what? <laughs> but stay with me. Because the, the big thing about Hamlet is that Hamlet is separated from everyone else around him, um, except for Horatio, because he knows something that no one else knows. He knows that his, spoiler alert, that his uncle killed his father. And of course, his uncle knows that too, but like he doesn't know that Hamlet knows, right? So Hamlet has to like keep this very serious secret to himself, and but his knowledge of that affects his behavior in a way that everyone around him thinks he's going crazy, but we as the audience see, as he says, the method to his madness, right? In a similar way here, throughout the whole episode... Royal is just like off the rails and we don't get that information. Now, once we see that last scene, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Now I get why he was like, now I get why he was dropping the F-bomb during prayers. Now I get why when he was questioning Auden, he was asking about yellow and cults and the government, you know? Like these questions seemed really random at the time. But then when, you know, we see that last scene, all of a sudden like, oh, so that's why he asked about all those things. So, so it's kind of cool how they set that up where we, along with the, the rest of the cast or the rest of the characters in them, I should say, are wondering what the hell is up with Royal. And then at the end, we get let into that secret knowledge that Royal has that the others don't. Well, right. And we still go back to, though, that scene at the end where everybody looks the way we remembered them looking, except for Autumn. And, you know, her her final answer is that, well, I equate power with yellow. And that makes perfect sense because she does seem to have some power over what's going on in this scene and and of course we don't really know what's going on i i doubt whether they're drilling for oil i'm not even sure they're really drilling for anything i'm not sure exactly what those machines are are, are yeah. doing well, they look like oil derricks for sure well but. they kind of do yeah i mean they they do that that's true but you know it, it just seems as if it's got to be something far more important than oil right well because yeah right, I mean, right. we know right it's it's around this this void right that uh that that sends people from one place to another well and also when she uh answers his question the first time about when she says that yellow means power to her you know it's not because she she doesn't have any kind of knowledge of what royal is talking about she just comes up with an answer like off the top of her head you know but you're right because it, but it does seem to then resonate in the, whatever we call it, the future, the alternate universe, whatever, where, yeah, she does seem to be uh, like she's in charge, right? She doesn't look like the the goofy hippie chick that we've seen from these two episodes so far. Right. And then it raises the question about who remembers what between worlds, Clearly, Royal remembers things between these two worlds, but I'm not certain that anybody else does. And, you know, the other thing that that strikes me is is that scene in the kitchen. And and you mentioned, you know, when he's saying the prayer, which, of course, shocks everybody in his family, you know, no more so than his wife, who is very religious. 
and, and it's just such a great scene because it just the intensity just builds and builds and builds and he's like god i i hate you i hate you amen right. <laughs> it's just you know yeah. but but before that his family's like all right where's the body and i think the answer at this point is he really doesn't know where the body is okay right. yeah he knows he threw it in the hole but what does that even mean anymore well, right. And as Fred said, I mean, maybe our assumption this time, some time before Royal fell through the void, you know, Trent's dead body did. Hence, Luke waiting there with a gun. You know, it, it's obviously, you know, there's even like, you know, we see there's a timer that's counted down to zero. So the, the people that have gathered here have anticipated Royal showing up. And, uh, and so, you know, I guess no one meant should have, maybe, maybe they should have patted Luke down thinking, okay, well, his dead brother just came through here. We know Royal's coming through next. Maybe we should make sure Luke doesn't have a gun. I don't know. Well, you know, the interesting thing, and, and Scott brings this up in his feedback, and it's not something I really thought about until his feedback. And you just mentioned the timer. Do we have some sort of a time loop? Have they played through this scene other times and Royal's reaction is perhaps different each time. Although I can't imagine it would end well, you know, for anything other than jumping back into the hole, but you know, maybe he doesn't get shot in the leg each time. And, and then it goes back to, you know, when he goes to the Tillerson's house and I can't think of the son that greets him that Luke says, what's wrong with your leg? Well, Okay, well, okay, mm-hmm. we know what, I mean, we don't at that point know what's wrong with his leg, right. but... Right. Uh, well, that's another thing. Like, again, something that is a mystery during the episode, we don't find out till the end, like, what the deal is with that. Right, but Luke doesn't remember that he's responsible. Well, no, because, oh, right. I mean, at this point, we assume that's happening in the future, so he would have no memory of something he hasn't done yet. Except right? he's wearing the same clothes. Yeah, I mean, you could have the same clothes two years from now. I yeah. have clothes that I had from 20 years ago still. <laughs> yeah, but, dude, you're talking about us. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, clothes are at the top of our priority list. <laughs> I got my student lady, this shirt is older than you are, man. <laughs> but, but you know, I guess what I'm getting at is that if it is two years down the in, in the future, I, I would think he would be dressed differently. I mean, look, they have tons of money so you know so then what is it then an alternate reality where it's it's this time but you know right this is a scenario so like you said that, that would right that that'd absolutely be something some evidence to say that it's not the future it's another world right now right you know now that he's traveling between yeah you, know, you know we talked about the the prayer at the the kitchen table and and there are a lot of religious overtones it, it, i go back to the opening scene and the final scene of episode one where it's you know the whole story about chronos and and ripping a hole in, in the fabric of the universe and and you know that connection between heaven and hell and while i think i'll be somewhat disappointed if yeah, that's what we're talking about here that that this hole is a conduit between heaven and hell you know i think it's still something we have to just kind of 
you know, hold on to, you know, and, and consider it perhaps as we move forward. But, but the other connection, we've talked about that Buffalo with two arrows. And I think we have to make a connection with the American Indian and Sheriff Joy. Don't know what kind of connection yet, but I, 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 got, I have to feel that there's something there you know, that we're meant to consider. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we have, we know, you know, how important the Buffalo was to the, to the Plains uh, tribes of, of North America. And, and she is the only, as far as we can tell, native character in, in the, in the story. So, you know, is, is there a connection between the two? So that's quite likely. Yeah. All right, so you know we get that opening scene. Autumn's standing by the hull after she's just pushed Royal in, and we see her take his shirt off the fence. And of course, you know we see later that that he recovers it and and throws it into the hole. But I think it it sets up that later scene when she and Amy meet at the rocks. That you know it is it, just such a meaningful scene because. Autumn's sitting there staring, you know, at the symbol up on the rocks. And, uh, and first thing I'm thinking, like, all right, how did it get up there? Number one, it right. seems to have a, a really ancient feel to it. We get we get some dates for the Tillerson Ranch and the Abbott Ranch, and I forget exactly. I think one is 1872, and maybe the other one's 1876 or 78. So, not prehistoric. Because they almost, it almost has that kind of a prehistoric caveman painting kind of feel. And then it's like, well, okay, still, how the hell did it get up there? So, right. you know, I, I, and again, it's something that Scott brings up in his feedback, which I, I think is really cool about the relationship between the, the Abbots and the, and the Tillersons. That meeting between Amy and and autumn i mean anything strike you about that i mean well you know again i'm feeling a fair amount of anxiety for uh amy when she goes out um i don't i didn't think autumn would hurt her but whenever you know like a kid goes out like oh i'm gonna go out for a little bit okay be back for dinner you're like oh something's gonna happen to the kid and nothing happens to her per se but you know, again, I I think that Autumn is just such a, you know, for for someone who, as I said before, is not like a physically imposing person, yet gives off such a creepy vibe that you know you you feel that in some way she could be a threat. Though certainly in this episode, my seeing her as some kind of threat is is somewhat lessened. You know, I don't really. But but again, then seeing her in that yellow suit. Yeah, you know, maybe again, but, but, but we certainly, you know, she, she's able to, to tell Amy, you know, like basically, you know, I don't know why, but what she said, I don't know, but I know I'm supposed to be here. So she has this sense of, she doesn't, she doesn't know why, but this is where she's meant to be. And, and that these signs are significant, but she doesn't know the significance of the signs. She doesn't know the reason why she's there so you know kind of just 
thickens the pot a little bit, I guess. Right. Now, you never saw the Netflix Turkish series, Atia the Gift, right? Uh, no. Okay. And I mentioned it, I think, in what I'm watching, you know, a, a while back. And, and I don't know that this is necessarily a nod to that, but the main character there has been painting this symbol all of her life. And then, you know, you know, these archaeologists, you know, un- uncover these cave paintings that haven't been touched for, you know, 5,000 years or whatever. And that that's all part of the mystery. So, so I thought that was pretty cool, but this instant connection that, that these two seem to have, she asks about the symbol and, and, you know, Amy says, well, you know, it looks like our, our, our family symbol. And she's like, you're an abbot. And once we get that scene later, when she, surprises royal as he's opening that those drawers and he's got that picture hidden i mean clearly he's he's hiding it from his wife i assume yeah i can't imagine he's hiding it from his yeah yeah. he thought he was going to pull out you know like his his weed stash or something but it's just a (laughs) picture well you know and, and and then she surprises him and then she asks him does he remember anything before the age of nine because I don't until I got here. And dude, then I'm going back to that scene. I'm like, is Autumn adult Amy? That's a good question. And of course, then, you know, just a you already said the, the L word once tonight. And, uh-huh. and we've always talked about time travel and how, you know, the writers make up their own rules. And as long as they're sure. consistent, everything's cool. And and, you know, in Lost, it was, well, okay, I can see my younger self, but I can't, I, I sh- can't really interact with my younger self. And, and, you know, shows handle that differently. So, I mean, if that turns out to be true, clearly they interacted. I don't know if they touched at all. And I, I, don't, I don't know that that would make a difference. I, I don't know. I can't recall that they did. I mean, that's, that's a valid theory i don't i don't know if i'm ready to get on board with that one that's my crackpot theory right right um but yeah you gotta throw those out there you know but um my theory i I think maybe it goes on maybe what fred said is is you know is autumn somehow related to the people in the pictures is royal somehow you know is autumn like royal's mother or sister or so i mean there is definitely a connection between those two. no doubt about that and the, the old picture there is you know i didn't look at it as closely apparently i think fred paused i didn't look at that closely i mean what's that all about you know like i I'm, see these are things that now after this episode there's things i have questions about i'm looking forward to getting answers to um, that I weren't really firing my brain in the first episode. Right. Well, well, the, the photograph looked kind of old timey. And if we assume that, you know, the, the present day is taking place 2021 or so, and I think we can make that assessment based on the vehicles and, and, you know, in the show and things like that and clothing, you know, he, he was probably born in the mid fifties or so. So well, I don't know. Josh Brolin's that old. Well, okay, but I mean, then, then he's born in the sixties. Not that people born in the mid fifties. Ah, I understand. Yeah, nice, nice save, that. dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that makes my point even even more so is that if he was born, say, nineteen sixty, if his parents were forty 
when they had him than they would have been in, born in 1920. Well, it looked a lot older than that to me. Yeah. Well, especially like it seemed like the clothes that they were wearing sure. looked right. more 19th century than 20th century. Though, of course, as we point, you know, when we were watching Dark, we, we you know, made note of that there were people in Germany in 1920 still using forks, threshing forks and everything rather than mechanized farming equipment and like wait a second this is 1920 shouldn't they be using like machines for this by this point some of that uh, pre-industrialization type stuff lasted well into the the 20th century true so potentially okay now the, the last point i want to make about the 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 amy autumn connection is, is that we've talked about autumn's necklace and amy notices it and points out that she likes it so you know just just Throwing that out there for okay. right now. Yeah, all right. That's a solid guess. Like I said, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo-poo it. Yep. That's for sure. I'm, I don't think I'm ready to be on board with it. Okay, but I'm not gonna, I, I would not poo-poo it. Okay. Now back to that opening scene where, you know, we're we're in the Abbott uh, family kitchen, and after Cecilia gets rid of, you know, the uh, the brothers. Yeah. All right, where's your father? And I'm thinking like, where's Mickle? No. When is Mickle? Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and of course, <laughs> yep. we know, but of course, none of them know. And then he, you know, comes in later. Again, we see the buffalo with the two arrows, and and that is what reveals Royal lying on the ground, still shirtless. And for a second, did you notice anything when he gets up and he hears his horse come over? You know, I've watched this episode, I guess, three times now, and. I see him looking at the horse and it's almost like he's looking at it and and I seem to focus in on the bridle almost like is this his horse or isn't it now right I think at the end it seems likely that it is his horse and this is just part of his disorientation but still it it, it strikes me and then of course he gets home and we get that scene it's like all you need to know is it's gone it's like all right Right. way to be the authority figure <laughs> but right. well uh, you know he has just been through a lot like he fell through a hole sure he wound up in a very strange place uh his wife told him he'd been he's been dead for two years and then he gets shot in the leg right so i guess it's probably going to take you a couple moments to recover from all that that's a lot of happening it's a lot to process in a short amount of time right and for Two guys that have been married quite a while, you know, we learned long ago, it's better to tell the truth right up front than try to uh, backpedal later on. And, and finally, Royal opens up to Cecilia and says that it was Luke that shot me. Now he doesn't tell her the whole truth at, at, right. at this point. And then she asks if they're going to be forgiven for this. And and again, mentioning that, that whole religious angle, I don't think she's worried about whether the Tillersons are going to forgive them, that, that she wonders whether God is going to forgive them. And then again, we've got that hanging around in the background, that you know story of Kronos tearing a hole in the fabric of the universe. So, you know, it, it is still there. You know, the, the thing about Sheriff Joy— yeah. yeah, I have to feel her character and its meaning is just going to explode later on. I mean, maybe not. I mean, you know, at this point, she's kind of focused on winning her election. 
I, I, I love the scene when uh, Luke is, tr- I mean, he's trying to bully her a little bit, but he's. He's not trying. But he's a little he, subtle. He is. You're right. You're right. You know, and, and uh, yeah, first Indian sheriff. And she's like, yeah, and and gay as well. And that's that smile on her face is just wonderful. Yeah. But when you then look at, I think even more meaningfully, the, the buffalo with the two arrows, you know, you know, we talk about Christian religion, which is what we're talking about with Cecilia and her family, and then the Native American and, and, and their belief in, you know, their religious system and their gods. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what's going to happen. But right now, um, you know, she's focused on investigating Trevor's disappearance and... Well, she's kind of, she's not like super focused because I mean, honestly, pretty much I think everyone thinks, like Wayne says, that he's just, you know, sleeping off somewhere. Yeah, true. We we saw he was pretty drunk a couple nights ago and and it seems like this is not the first time something like this has happened. So while Luke is concerned, no one else really seems super concerned. Right. You know, now that goes along with, what uh, you know, as, as Fred also said too, that we know that Wayne Tillerson is more privy to what's going on than the other characters here. And we saw that in episode one. At least we assume this way he's talking about. But the, you know, the thing that I, I carried away from Joy is actually you see on the campaign posters that her last name is Hawk, right? You know, and the hawks are hunters; they're raptors, and they're like expert hunters like some of the most perfect hunters in nature i you know from what that what my takeaway from that is that you know she is not going to let this thing go and the longer trent is missing uh, the more she's going to focus in and um you know obviously the abbott family are like prime suspects for whatever is has happened to trevor right and you know so still that fight and you know, Rhett goes to see Maria and, and, and basically, I mean, look, we know they like each other and he asks her out and all that, but but you know, the, it's almost as if the, the core reason for going is to ask her to be quiet about the fight that night. And of course, she just thinks he decked the guy and that was it. And, and she's got no reason to think anything else. Um, right. Well, that is the truth for Rhett. Well, yeah, well Perry, who who did it well yeah right but he knows that he's dead at this point so, right, right. so he's involved yeah. and now that, that's not a great look for Rhett, honestly to be like hey you know i really like you why don't we go out sometime and try to speak spanish and oh hey you know remember when you saw me get in that fight the other night if you could like keep that in the dl that'd just be great thanks yeah you well know, it's like dude well, and the other thing about the fight is when perry and royal are riding in the truck I think they're going to see the lawyer at that point. And he asks Perry whether the fight was an accident, almost implying that they've been down this road before. So well, he doesn't ask if it was, he tells him, he says it was an accident. He's trying to console Perry, right? He's yeah. Trying to true. say, you know, listen, you didn't mean that you're not a bad person. You know, you didn't mean to do this. And obviously for Perry that he has a, a, a significant amount of guilt that's, you know, can't just be assuaged by a couple kind of cliches from from Royal. Yeah, 
and the irony is if there were either brother that we would suspect would start a fight it would be Rhett rather than perry and yes you know that, that's kind of not exactly what happens here well perry does start the fight but in his defense he was just puking just threw up on the wrong guy's boots which i mean listen if, if you've had a couple too much and you have to go throw up just don't throw up on someone's shoes man you know especially someone's like hooking up yep like you got there's so many places to throw up (laughs) don't throw up in someone's shoes all right well perhaps you can shed some light on the scene uh, in wayne tillerson's bedroom dude man what a (laughs) yeah i I don't even want to call that a bedroom but but you know it goes so far beyond the two men discussing the piece of land while that's the core you, you know important detail of the scene that that Clearly, Wayne knows something he's not revealing, or he just you know has a feeling. But I don't get you know his whole fascination with erotic art, and I don't get what the whole point of that was. You except that he he says what gets my heart racing is what I couldn't see and what I didn't know about. So. Now that we've got the hole and whether or not he knows about the hole, we don't know. I mean, there's something he knows about the West Pasture that's got him motivated in the same way that his fascination with erotic art. But it goes back to that poster, and I wish I'd written it down, or that billboard, rather. I don't know. Something about you know not knowing what you don't know, or I, I actually, I should have written it down. But, <laughs> but, but Wayne's you know, mentioning that what really gets me is not knowing, you know, what I don't know. So, you know, and what I can't see as if, you know, there's something beyond the visible. Well, and you know, what, what Wayne is presenting in front of Royal as his reason for wanting to live, it's just that I want it, right? Yeah. Like I just want it. I, at least I got into erotic art, and I thought it was filling some kind of hole in my life. I thought it was make, giving me meaning, but it turns out it wasn't. I would just acquire and acquire, and nothing would would fill that, dare I say, void. Um, you know, he says, one frontier begets another. I'm hungry more than anything else, you know? You know I don't care if you offer me a second dinger. <laughs> yeah. Which... I wasn't um, sure what he meant there. I, I, I don't know I, why you want to say the, the the one is difficult enough to deal. with. Well, I think it's his heart, but maybe not. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe he's talking about heart. Yeah, but I after after his. Uh, but the the point is, like you know, he he just wants like again what he presents is that I just want it. Sure, and you can't stop me. And I'm going to take it. Right. So there you go. Now, again from what we know about Wayne and what we've seen of him and what we've seen of, you know, what he potentially, what we assume he knows about the West pasture. And we, we think he knows about the void. We tend to think, okay, that's, you know, the reason he's so keen to get this land is because he knows about the void and he, you know, he wants to be in charge of it or whatever. Yeah. Except, if he knows about it, you'd think he'd be, 
Yeah, I mean, you'd think he'd be a little bit more motivated, but maybe he doesn't want to alert Royal if Royal doesn't know about it. But then it's like, how can Royal be a rancher and not know it's there? Which then leads us to a question, is it is this hole always open and visible, or does it close at some point? Or become- Well, I mean, we assume in the over 100 years of their family owning the land, someone would have noticed it yes. had it been there before. Exactly. So, you know, we, it seems like it, had, it has been a recent appearance. But again, their land is obviously pretty vast, so it might have been a while since he's been by that particular place, and maybe that hole has been there. Well, and, and Fred mentions too, I believe, or Scott, I can't remember which one did, you know, that could that hole be the reason for the disappearance of Perry's wife? Yes. And maybe it moves. Maybe it's not always in the same place. Right. But a couple of things about Autumn uh, before we get to that final mind-blowing scene. You know, she goes to the the ranch, and we get that camera shot. I don't know if you noticed it, but we see her, you know, it's it's pulled back, and we see her framed around the Abbott A, you know, above their entrance. Yes. And – Super weird. Yeah. Well, it goes back to my theory. Is she an abbot? I mean, there's something that's drawn her here. Now, the other thing is Royal goes and starts snooping around her tent. And while it doesn't seem to uh, uh, catch his attention, of course, we notice that she's got a book on modern quantum mechanics you know, which, which is the, you know, the study of the physical properties of nature, which would fit, you know, nicely into what we've got with the hole here. So what her deal is with that, we don't know, but, you know, he's just basically concerned about getting his shirt back. Uh, it looks like, and, and of course he, you know, he, he gets that. So, uh, we, we get to that final scene and, uh, you know, we get the flashback. Autumn pushes him into the hole, and we get that slow motion descent. And then, uh, you know, I mean, it, it takes a while to get our bearings. You know, there's like banks of stadium-like lights illuminating the field in which he lies. You know, the digital clock. I mean, you know, like like I was saying at the beginning of the discussion. I mean, is there another explanation? For for why they'd have a big digital clock other than a time loop and that they're, you know. The- or that they just, that they knew that Royal was going to appear. They knew exactly to the second when he was going to appear. Okay. Yep. And so, or, or, and again, how that would happen, I don't know. But that, that's what I took it as that they were anticipating his showing up. And that the big, I mean, and obviously, you know, I mean, for most people, you probably have someone sitting there looking at their watch. They have these big, huge countdown clocks. So this is a, and there's guys with guns all around. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, it, it reminds me of the Battlestar Galactica episode 33. And, you know, they, they, they can't really, get, I think it's 33 hours, I, but, but it's like, like clockwork and they, they reset the clock and, and it go, this goes on for like weeks on end and the crew is just completely exhausted. So, um, you know, while it doesn't look like that kind of a scenario, it, it does some look like, as you said, something that they were expecting to happen. And I really tried to hear what they were saying 
in the background. You, you can kind of faintly hear somebody speaking over a PA or loud, uh, you know, uh, public address system, but I couldn't really hear something about, you know, something has been breached, but that's pretty much all. And we assume that was Royal, but, but again, everybody's standing right there, like an audience just, okay, you know, we're waiting for this to happen and yeah, okay, it happened. And Jack Ruby runs out of the crowd and fires off a shot. And, uh, he's not quite as, I guess he's got a little bit of uh, uh, stormtrooper in him. Yeah. <laughs> but but the other thing, I guess we're supposed to notice that one tank, whatever it is, that has BY-9 on the side. So, again, the first thing that comes into my mind, Brigham Young, um, but he's not Wyoming, right? He was... No. Yeah, it was Utah. Utah, right. So, I don't know what that BY-9 would mean. Some of them are wearing yellow jumpsuits, some are wearing white, some of them are wearing civilian clothes. We just don't know. But we don't see Autumn make any kind of a move. Again, it's almost as if, okay, I, he's going to run back in the hole and, you know, what, we reset the clock and start over? I guess. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's exactly. There's just, just no way to tell. Um, again, we've posted some theories here. We've thrown some out there. Um, but yeah, it's just in, in, the, in the end at this point it is really very difficult to, uh, to figure out exactly what's going on. And like I said, we're not even sure whether we're, we're talking about some kind of time thing or is this a multi-universe thing? Yeah. So, uh, all right. Anything else you want to bring up before we get to the feedback? Yeah. A couple things. So first of all, I knew the two sons looked familiar, but like I said, I mean, it was so dark on my television that uh, it was difficult for me to see really the, their faces in the first episode. But Tom Pelfrey, who plays Perry, was on Ozark. He had a big role in Ozark. He played uh, Ben, um, Laura Linney's brother on that. So that was that was cool to see him back. And then the uh, Rhett is actually, his name is Lewis Pullman. He is Bill Pullman's son and uh, an actor I know I admired. Um, and he was also, I, I know you re- probably recognize him from when you saw him in Top Gun Maverick, right? Uh, no. Oh, no? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so he's he's in that movie, which is actually a really good movie. I like Top Gun Maverick. So, so yeah, so, so, so there's that. The other thing is like, you know, like I said, I mean, the, the, everything that happens – that Royal does, as as I said earlier, we are confused by, and but now it kind of makes some sense. So, you know, like everyone is encouraging him to just give Wayne Tillerson the, you know, the land he wants is NBD, you know, like, don't worry about it. You'll still, if you, if you fight this, you might lose your whole ranch, right? Yeah. But you know, my question is, is he willing to risk his whole ranch? Because, one of the things that Cecilia tells him when he gets to the future, like she says, you've been dead for two years. And he says, is this our land? And she says, no. So is he thinking that by holding on to the land that he can somehow change his fate? Yeah. Well, you know? well that could be. And, and yeah, yeah, abso- absolutely. So that's just something, you know, that, that I thought about. And then, you know, and then, of course, we know, I mean, being told that you've been dead for two years 
has an emotional impact on the person, right? Sure. And uh, his lack of patience, his, his snappishness, you know, now, okay, oh, I get it. He he realizes he's going to, whatever time, if it is a time thing even, whatever it is, he's been dead for two years. And like I said, as Fred said, we've all said, like everyone there looks the same pretty much as they do now. So he's probably going to die pretty soon if this is a time travel thing and not a multiple universes but that you know we talked about this this prayer and you know that prayer really kind of it's the uh the, the catholic uh, education i got in uh in college we talked about the theodicy question right the basic question of if god is all powerful and all good then why does human suffering exist and that's the kind of like the, the the basic question that royal is asking here what are you doing with us like if you are there if i am praying to a thing and you are hearing me WTF. Right. You know? And uh, and that, I thought that was a really, really powerful uh, scene and, and just kind of this expression of, of what almost all humans ask. You know, why do we need, why are we suffering? If there is a God, then why do we suffer? Yeah. You know, why is there pain? Why is there death? You know, things like that. Yeah, and I think for Royal, he's got the double whammy because it, it's, you know, from a theological standpoint and he tells perry when they're driving in the truck i don't know how the world works and i'm thinking at that point he's referring to the whole and you know you know his experience with whatever the hell happened to him there so right obviously that that experience would would have you asking certain questions about the nature of the world in reality yes. right so um so yeah uh, Lily Allen is so much one of my absolute favorite actresses, as I've said on numerous times. I know I'm sorry if you're sick of hearing it, but that scene where she just goes off on uh, Billy and Luke was priceless. Like they're coming in, like they got, I think Billy maybe is, you know, tucking a gun in his waistband as they're walking up. You're like, oh, something terrible is going to happen. And just, Cecilia meets him at the door and just like, I know you didn't just go through my gate. And she's like, you're drunk, go home. And she makes, even the one, she makes him apologize. She makes Billy apologize to her. So that was classic. I mean, just so the opposite of what you're anticipating there. I I love it when shows do that. I thought that was a very masterful scene, both writing and acting wise. Yep. Good night. God bless. Slams the door in their face. Right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. That was awesome. A little stones at the end there. Oh my God! Paint it black. Oh, it one black. of my favorite stone songs of all time. Right, the, the absolute classic, great all-time songs of of you know not just stones. I'd say of one of the great all-time songs of rock and roll history. Yep. Yeah, fabulous and and just so great. And, and just coming off of uh, my Westworld rewatch, um, you know, Paint it Black is uh, used extensively in, in that show as well. So it's cool to see that. But. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I think that might be yeah. Well, again, just like kind of like again the when he he meets Autumn, he's like, you know, are you are you with mining? And we're like, is she what? Like mining? Like what the? Are you with the government? What's yellow? Are you in a cult? And the, the one when she asks if, if she's in a cult, she's like, or have you ever been in a cult? She's like, yeah. You know, all the others are no, but oh yeah, cult. Yeah, check. I've done that one. Sure. But again, like those those questions are so random, but then he falls through the hole, and there's guys with guns. 
government. Um, there's these, what we, as we said, look like oil derricks, mining, check, cult, weird people standing around, check, yellow, people dressed in yellow, check. So like all those questions that seem so weird when he asks them now, they completely make sense. All right. Ready for some feedback? Sure. All right. Well, Scott checked in uh, via Facebook Messenger. He says he just finished watching episode two, quality episode. And first thing he points out is that the void seems to have something to do with time. I've been wondering if this is a, quote, time is not linear, it's a loop kind of show. However, it seems like maybe time is linear, but you can pick up and take off from different points. And if that's true, the void seems like it could be a wormhole minus the black holes. Didn't Cecilia mention something in the first episode about how it felt like Royal has always been in her life or like he was always supposed to be in her life, which makes me wonder if the characters maintain some sort, some sense of awareness of the different times they've been part of, meaning Royal felt familiar to Cecilia because he's always been there. Of course, that would lean more toward the time as a loop theory. And, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about that earlier, about whether, you know, these people remember, you know, once they move in and out of the hole. And at this point, it's really only been royal. So, you know, we, we see Luke shoot him in that final scene. But when we're back in the present and his leg has obviously been stitched up by his wife, Luke has no idea, or at least he's certainly not indicating that he has any idea of what he has done, will do, whatever. Uh, he says, it's interesting that Wayne Tillerson is all of a sudden interested in Royal's land. Seems like he knows about the void. His health is failing. So I wonder if he views the void as a sort of fountain of youth. As wealthy as he is, he can't buy back time, or can he? Ah, oh, dude, now we're getting into the uh, the Gatsby theme mm-hmm. area. We understand that maybe Wayne doesn't know it's out there because it's not his land, although I don't think we'd put it past him or his sons of trespassing onto, you know, the Abbott Ranch. But sure. But still I you know, I like the fountain of youth, you know, possible uh, right. Idea. Sure. It's a solid idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the episode, when we see what happened to Royal after he was pushed into the void, we find out he's been dead for two years. The other characters, however, don't look that much older. So, does Royal die shortly after jumping back through the void? And also, Cecilia tells him to run, which could have been because Cecilia knew the Tillerson boys were coming for Royal. I'm guessing their dead brother's body had shown up only moments earlier, or it could have been because once Royal returns through the void, he eventually tells Cecilia everything that's going on. And this is, I I love this. He tells her to warn him when she sees him again, two years after his own death. So in other words, I think what Scott's saying is he opens up to his wife so that in the future or, you know, the next iteration of the loop she can help him out again does she tell him to run every time if it is a loop yeah but he, i mean like he's already dead yeah I, so I know. if this is a loop then he's already been there gone back been killed yeah but it's like the the travelers episode with the with the skydivers right right sure they they 
just keep dying over and over until I guess until they don't. But uh, right, it's um, like Groundhog Day, right? So we learn in the episode that the Tillerson and Abbott farms were founded around the same time, Tillerson in 1872, Abbott's in 1878. If both farms are in the same area and have existed for about the same length of time, why are the Tillersons so much more wealthy and successful than, than the Abbott's? Perhaps this has already been explained and I just missed it. Now, I don't think it's been explained. No, except for it's just a truism of life yeah. that the a-holes make it and the good guys don't. Right. right? Now, I mean, the, I forget whether it was uh, Rhett or Perry that mentions his father not, you know, well, he mentions they should have sold the ranch five years ago, but we also get the idea that maybe he's resisted certain changes, but I, yeah, I, I don't we definitely know. get that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, shifting to autumn, it appears she's a physicist or is at least a fan of modern quantum mechanics. She mentions a symbol that she's seen draw. She's been drawing for years that she now sees all over the Abbott land. And the symbol looks similar to the Abbott family symbol. Did the Abbott family adopt and alter the symbol? What I mean is did the family, i.e. the 1872 Abbott's, see the symbol, alter it to look like an A, and then took on a last name that began with an A to go with the symbol. Uh, everything's on the table right now, Scott. Yep. That could be, buddy. Yep. Uh, lastly, if it turns out time is a loop theory is correct for this show, it makes me wonder just how long the Tillersons and Abbots have been feuding. Yeah, good point. Okay. I am a fan of quantum physics, find the subject fascinating, and appreciate a show that ties it into the storyline. All right, I'm done, he says. Yeah. All right, Scott. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Scott. Yep. So good, good feedback. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us, and we will be right back to talk about that. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Outer Range Season 1, Episode 2. As said last week, this episode makes the first one, so Episode 1, a little better. Because I wanted to give episode 1 actually a C, but after having seen this one and being more nah, involved with the characters, uh, that always makes it better, I upgraded my grade for episode 1 to a B-. I understand Dave's enthusiasm and connection to Dark, although I find the comparison not completely accurate. Of course, in Dark there was a mysterious cave, but that was a cave, something that exists, but mysterious things were happening in it, whereas this void, this hole in the ground, is on itself already strange. The pace of the episode is quite similar to the first one, quite slow. You discussed the difference between the Abbots and the Tillersons, and indeed this... This Trevor, but mainly this Luke, is a a-hole like his father. This Billy singing for the mirror is a little softer guy, I think. Also in this episode we see that it is a tight family, although it's quite, as Wayne said, a dark atmosphere. They do hide things for each other. Uh, for instance, Royal is not saying anything about the void. What I found strange is that when he discovers his torn and blooded shirt at Alton's campsite that he throws it into this void. He better could have burned it or something like that because he fell in or he was pushed in 
and he came out. So throwing your shirt in there is perhaps not the wisest thing because it could get out again. And since he was in there, perhaps he realizes that the corpse of Trevor could get out as well. But we have no indication in Royal's behavior that he really realizes that. Or perhaps he even gets out alive. And that also could be true for Red's wife Rebecca. That autumn is indeed weird and I think she has some connection to the Abbott family. Perhaps she is an Abbott somehow. She is very much drawn to the Abbott land or to the Abbott family anyhow. Her whole interaction is mainly towards Royal, whereas Cecilia is actually the connection to this land and not he. It's her family that is farming there for three generations and not his. And where he really comes from remains quite unclear. So he was adopted more or less into the, I think, the Abbott family. The land is Abbott. So I think Royal adapted the Abbott name and it's not originally his name. Royal's prayer at dinner is of course a very intense. It shows that he is very frustrated about all the things he doesn't understand and blames God for that as far as God exists. Later he goes to the barn and gets that very old picture of probably a couple. Could also be a brother or sister or whatever, but looks like a couple. And perhaps I'm imagining it, but if you look at a woman, if you make a still of that, it has some similarities with Autumn. And the linking question she asks him, what do you remember from your age before the age of nine? So for me, that is all an indication that Autumn is in some manner, some way, a family member. Perhaps even without her knowing that herself. Because she says to Royal, we both know about this and we have to find out how it works, what it is. Another indication that she really doesn't know what is happening is the fact that she was kind of happily amazed or surprised that Royal showed up at breakfast when she was talking to Amy. So she didn't know he came out of the void again. Okay, and then we have, of course, at the end, a flashback kind of, a flash forward kind of vision or vision at all. Uh, because Autumn asks Royal, do you remember anything from when you were in the void? And then you get this whole setting with uh, oil drilling, etc., etc. And actually, Royal is being shot there by Luke. So in the void, and he comes out with a leg wound. So that is also a bit wishy-washy. So what is reality, what is happening, um, it doesn't, yeah, confusing. And, um, yeah, does Luke know he shot Royal? Okay, good. That will be all. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. And before I forget it, last but not least, is I want to congratulate you on... 10 years sci-fi tv rewatch because today is the 25th of june when i record this but i know your very first podcast was so one episode i think of of uh, fatalist so lost girl on the 28th of june 2012 
So, ta-da! I really, really am very, uh, yeah, touched by such a long and constant podcast. I actually listened a little bit to that very first episode and so many things are recognizable. And what I mean by that is the constant quality of all your podcasts. So thank you very, very much. And how I hope you will continue for quite a while. And I can also can continue contributing to that. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Fred. First thing, I, I know I speak for you and you can speak for yourself as well. Thank you so much for your congratulations, your support, maybe even more so for your friendship. I mean, we had, you know, the wonderful opportunity to get together with you in person a couple of years ago and, you know, just just really meaningful. Yeah, like we talked about before, like 10 years, you know, it's seems like uh, only yesterday. But, uh, but yeah, it's, but it's especially we really appreciate uh, all the people, especially we appreciate uh, all Fred's support and his feedback. And let's say, bedankt, Fred. Yep. Now, Fred gives it a B, and he mentions, and I think we both agree, the pace is still slow. Whether it's going to speed up or not, I, I'm guessing no. I, I mean, we might get a lot more reveals, but I think, you know, this whole Western ranch vibe you know it's a kind of a slow pace there I, I just can't go back to i just can't imagine going back to after this big reveal that we're just going to go back to them freaking riding their horses around and moving cows i mean like let's get some let's have some stuff happening here man yeah now you know he mentions about throwing the shirt in and well if royal gets thrown in and then he pops back out what about the shirt now granted we know that he jumped back in the hole so then uh, the shirt's not going to throw itself back in the hole so i i think right. the possibility that somebody else throws it back in who that would be and for what reason again remains a mystery at this is, point is that just an f you to the other world you know mm-hmm. like like because i mean hey. if i'm working on the assumption that everything goes to the same place when you go through which that's not necessarily the assumption I should make, but I'm just thinking that if everything goes to the same place, and as Scott said, well, you know, people were standing around this hole, and all of a sudden the dead body of Trevor Tillerson flew through it. Yeah. Then, um, then Royal popped through, and then later he just throws his shirt in there after he knows what the, the deal is with the hole, with the void. So is he just thinking, hey, here's my bloody shirt, you know? Suck on that, Tillerson's. I'm still alive. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Right now, Fred, uh, while he doesn't go as far as I was willing to go with the, uh, earlier in the in the podcast, he questions whether or not Autumn is an Abbott. And you know, I I think that seems more likely than my theory. But you know, I guess I'm still going to go with the Jay and Jack crackpot theory and and uh, hold that out there. I mean, I'll just go so far as to say there's definitely a connection between them two. There's no question about that. Sure. Um, and I think the likelihood that that connection is a family connection, I'm very down with that idea. Well, especially since we know that time is in play here and we don't exactly know how Time yet. is maybe at play here. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> good. Well, yeah. Yeah. We, we, all, we all know. 
Right. I mean, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> like you said, I mean, it, it could be a time thing. It could be the alternate universe thing. You know, we just, at this point, we just don't know. Right. And then he mentions about Royal getting shot in the void and he has the wound when he returns to, you know, the, you know, the prime world. Does prime Luke, as we talked about, know that he shot Royal? And, and as we said, I don't think so, because he certainly doesn't show any recognition other than that he sees Royal limping when he comes to see his father. So at this point, uh, anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, yeah, well, you know, Fred says he's not really seeing the dark and, uh, connections between oh, right. uh, yeah, yeah. dark and, and on rage. And, you know, I kind of do. I don't think it's a influence type relationship. I don't think they like watch dark and say, Oh, let's, let's pinch this stuff from dark and put it in our show. Um, but I think there are some, some similarities there with the, compl- first of all, the, the complexity of, of the potential time issue. Um, and also the fact that just, you know, like, everyone's lives seem to be kind of crap, you know? Yeah. So is that like time travel presents this back to the future type positive view of the, of the world. It's very much, you know, things are pretty much going to poo for almost everyone in, in this show. So Fred, thank you for your feedback. Scott, thank you for your feedback. Um, I'm going a minus. Yeah. I'm thinking a minus. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it was certainly a strong episode, and, and not only the the final scene where you know we get that WTH moment. But uh, all right, um, you want to leave it there? Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Outer Range. Anything going on in your genre TV world? Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. You probably noticed that the uh, website looks a little different now. Hopefully there's a few things that are easier to navigate. We'll be back next week to talk about episode three of the Amazon Prime video series Outer Range, but until then... All right, so Dave, I'm composing an email to the, the showrunners of, of Outer Range, and um, I have like the first line down, and I figure maybe you could give me some guidance after that. Okay, so here's the first line. Uh, can you give us some hint of what you're up to? Because I don't have the first fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs>